Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. We're going to read Isaiah 6, 1 through 8 together. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lawfully and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Before we can dive into the prophet Isaiah and this heavenly vision that he's having here, you need to know the proper theologically, grammatically context of this scripture of why this is happening to the prophet Isaiah where this is happening to the prophet Isaiah and when this is happening to the prophet Isaiah. And it all begins in one verse. I think maybe one of the most important verses of this scripture because it lays the foundation of what's happening here to the prophet Isaiah, what's happening to God's people in Judah and what's happening to King Uzziah. 6-1. In the year of King Uzziah's death. That's actually half of 6-1. Now this can preach, church. This is a whole message right here. In the year of King Uzziah's death. And this is going to be my first point in this message. Communication. I need to be able to communicate to you what is happening here in scripture so that we don't take it out of context. Everybody wants to say, send me, Lord. Here I am. Use me. Send me. But do we know what's really happening here in Isaiah 6.1? How do we get from a heavenly vision to a divine commission? 
We're going to get into that right now. And it starts in the year of King Uzziah's death. You see, King Uzziah reigned and ruled over Judah for 52 years as king. Uzziah was the second longest reigning king over Judah besides King Manasseh, who reigned for 55 years. Uzziah was anointed king by the people of Judah at the young age of only 16. 16 years old. Anointed king alongside his father, scripture tells us. That for the first maybe 24 years, Uzziah actually was a co-reign, co-ruler with his father until his father passed. And then Uzziah took over Judah fully. But in total, 52 years. That's a long time to reign and rule over a people and be king. Uzziah was a good king. He was a good king. He was faithful. He honored God. Judah was prosperous, it was healthy, the cities were fortified, they were safe, the armies were strong. But somehow, some way, it all went wrong. It all went wrong somehow, some way. And that's what we're going to dig into right here so you can know the context of Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles 26, 16. I love the NAS NASB translation. It's the best. Right here. It says, pride is Uzziah's undoing. Someone needs to hear this here today. I don't know if it's someone here in this house, if it's someone online that needs to hear this, if it's a pastor, if it's an elder, if it's a reverend, a bishop, a deacon, a minister, a man and woman of God, but someone needs to hear that pride was Uzziah's undoing. Verse 16, but when he became strong, there's something on this right here. When he became strong in his anointing, when he became strong in his mantle, when he became strong in his calling, his heart was so proud that it acted corruptly. His heart was so proud that it acted corruptly. There's a pastor, there's a man, a woman of God that started off so good, so well, but they need to hear that pride is the undoing of an anointing, that pride is the undoing of a mantle, that pride is the undoing of a call of God on your life, that the strength of the Lord that he's given us, know that it's not from us. It doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to him. And so we need to use discernment on the calling, on the mantle, on the anointing that God's given us. Let's keep moving. His heart was proud that he acted corruptly. And he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. 
Then Azariah the priest entered after him, and with 80 priests, the Lord, valiant men, they opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priest, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated, to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand, for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priest, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. The Lord had struck him for his disobedience. He tried to play the role of not only a king, but a priest that was against the Levitical law in the time of the Old Testament. And there's only one that can play the role or declare and proclaim the role of a king and a priest. And it was the Messiah that was yet to come, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Pride is, is, is Uzziah's undoing. I feel the Lord saying to someone here today, someone online, walk heavy. Walk heavy, pastor. Walk heavy, man, woman of God, minister of the gospel. Walk heavy in your anointing. Walk heavy in your authority, in your calling, in your mantle, in your plan, in your purpose, in your future, and in your destiny that the Lord God has given you. But tread lightly. Yeah. Tread lightly. Because that mantle, that anointing, that calling, it's God's. He gave it to you. Tread lightly in humility. Tread lightly in surrender and submission and service. But walk heavy. Someone needs to hear that because pride is the undoing of an anointing. Pride can be the undoing of a church. Walk heavy, but tread lightly. Men and woman of God. Let's turn back to Isaiah 6. Communication. First point. I needed to communicate that with you so you could understand where we were going and what was happening in Judah. What happened to Uzziah and what's about to happen to Isaiah? Communication. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lawfully and exalted, with the train 
of his robe filling the temple. Lawfully to be lifted up, exalted, to raise in rank, power, character, to praise highly, to glorify, to edify. The Lord is sitting on a throne in the year of King Uzziah's death. He's lawfully, he's exalted, and the train of his robe is filling the temple. I have an illustration for you that I feel like the Lord gave to me as this message was being put together. You see, I've had the honor as one of the pastors in this house to officiate weddings. Last year, I was able to officiate three beautiful weddings from three beautiful kingdom couples out of this house. And who knows when you're at a wedding, when the bride comes out, all eyes turn to the bride as she walks down the aisle with the train of her gown following her in beauty, in splendor. It's majestic. It's powerful. It's humble. It's a sight. And everybody is in awe of the bride and of the gown. But this, saints, is a different gown. This is a different robe, and it's filling the temple. Would you close your eyes? Close your eyes for a moment. This is different, I understand, in service. Close your eyes and get into a yield posture of surrender, of silence, and hear what the prophet Isaiah is saying. That in the year of King Uzziah's death, he saw the Lord sitting high on a throne, lawfully and exalted, and the train of his robe fills the temple. What does the train of his robe symbolize? What does it stand for? It means that it's all majesty, it's all splendor. It's all beauty. It's all powerful. It's victorious. It's defeated and conquered all enemies and all death and the grave. And if the train of his robe is filling the temple in Isaiah 1, in Isaiah 6, 1, that the train of his robe is filling the temple right here, right now, in this temple and in the temple of your heart. Allow the train of his robe to overcome your heart, your mind, your spirit, that there's nothing else that can stand it. There's nothing else that can place in your heart no fear no worry no doubt no depression no shame not even death or the grave because when you allow the train of his robe to fill the temple there's room for nothing else because he is victorious he has defeated every enemy. He'll continue to sit on the throne lawfully and exalted, defeating every single enemy that comes against us if we will allow that train of that robe to fill our temples here on earth, just as it filled in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 Let's keep moving. 
Let's keep moving. Isaiah 6-2. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. Second point. Covenant. First was communication. Second is covenant. The word seraphim in the Bible appears only in Isaiah chapter 6. Seraphim, not the word seraph that, that appears seven different times in scripture. Seraphim in Hebrew means the fiery ones, the burning ones. The word seraphim is the plural form of the Hebrew root word seraph, which means to burn. The implication here is that these angels... Burn with the love of God, as should we, church. We should burn with the love of God. Two wings covered their face to show humility to God and to show reverence to God. Two wings covered their feet to show submission to God and again to show reverence to God. And two wings to fly. The seraphim used their remaining two wings to fly and wait upon God. In other words, they are here to serve God. Saints, we should be waiting upon the Lord to serve him whenever he calls us. Amen? We should be set on fire like the seraphim. Like the seraph, the burning ones, the fiery ones, in humility, in surrender, in submission, in service, and in reverence. Isaiah 6 3. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We're going to dive in to holy, holy, holy. Because it's an extremely important part of this scripture. Of this context. The meaning of God is holy, holy, holy. Reflects his eternal nature. Divine perfection. In the Trinity and in supreme holiness. God is perfect in all of his ways. In eternity, past, present, and future. His perfection is revealed in three persons. Father, Son, Spirit. And in that order for a specific reason. They are holy, holy, holy. They share equal divine attributes. No one is holy like God. Therefore, he alone is worthy of our worship. Amen. Amen. The holiness of God is the most prominent of all his divine nature, which represents his inherent and incomprehensible character. Holiness belongs exclusively to God alone, no human is able to meet his standard of perfection. The root word for holy is kandosh in Hebrew and hagaios in Greek, which mean to be set apart, 
to be sacred and to be sanctified. That is our God. He is holy. God's holiness includes his two essential qualities, absolute transcendence and infinite purity, which we are not. The phrase holy, holy, holy appears twice in the Bible. Here in Isaiah 6.3 and once in Revelation 4.8, a reference scripture that you should look up and read to support what's happening here in Isaiah 6. Both times the phrase is spoken or sung by a heavenly creature and both times it occurs in the vision of a man who was transcended to the throne room of God. Let's talk about the threefold repetition. Holy, holy, holy. The repetition is an emphasis of a name or an expression. Three times was quite common in the Jewish culture, among the Jewish people. In Jewish tradition, the number three means completeness, stable, stability, completeness. God is complete, God is stable, and he is holy. Therefore, when the angels around the throne call or cry to the one, one another, holy, 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 they are expressing with such force and such passion the truth of the supreme holiness of God. Look at your neighbor to the left or right of you and say, I'm not holy. Don't be ashamed, I'm not holy. But I know who is. But I know who is. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. The Lord of hosts, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Lord of hosts means God of the armies of heaven of the angel armies of heaven. He is the Lord of hosts. He is exalted. He is lawfully sitting on a throne and the train of his robe will forever be filling the temple in heaven and on earth. The whole earth is full of his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord for your glory. We magnify you. We glorify you because you are holy, holy, holy. Father, Son, Spirit. Isaiah 6.4, which brings me to my third point, conviction. We've had communication. We had covenant. Now conviction. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. They trembled as the seraphims cried out, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations trembled. Earthquake in heaven, earthquake on earth. God rules, he reigns, he's sovereign, he's providential, but most of all, he is holy. Now, I don't believe that there's nowhere in scripture that says God is love, love, love. Or he's grace, grace, grace. Or he's mercy, mercy, mercy. 
Now, yes, those are his attributes. He is love. He is merciful. He is graceful. But he is holy first and foremost. Jesus. The temple was filled with smoke. God is a consuming fire. Read Hebrews 12 29. Therefore, the smoke would indicate the judgment of God or the presence of the divine divinity, the Trinity, the Godhead, the three in one Father, Son, Spirit. No wonder why the prophet Isaiah was so terrified the first half of this vision. Because he was in the presence of the holiest one that there ever was and there ever will be. He was in the presence of a holy temple at a holy altar around burning angelic creatures, the fiery ones, seraph, to be burned and set on fire for God. He was in the face of the Trinity. He was afraid that he himself would be smitten, would be struck down, just like King Uzziah for the sin of Judah, for the pride undoing not only a king, but a whole people. And so Isaiah was led astray by the sin of his people and the sin of his king. Isaiah 6.5 we come to our fourth point, confession. We've had communication. We've had covenant. We've had conviction. Now it's confession. Six, five. Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I have lived among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Saints, this message is preaching to me just as much as maybe preaching, hopefully, to someone here. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, exactly is what I mean. When the closer you get to the Lord, the more your sins come to the surface. And the more you need to repent in full repentance. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm real. That's the people that God wants in his kingdom. Real. Repentance. Forgiveness. He needs communication with you. He wants to communicate with you through his word, and he wants you to communicate with him through prayer and worship and praise. Then he wants you to be in full covenant, full relationship. Then he wants you to feel the conviction of your sin. Then he wants you to confess it in real repentance. Woe is me, for I am ruined. You see, this phrase, woe is me, in Hebrew, it pretty much means it's a passionate cry for grief and despair. Uzziah, excuse me, Isaiah is in grief and despair, and he is undone. In a different translation, undone. That's the word I want to use today. He is undone. 
undone, the Hebrew word dama, meaning to be dumb or silent, to fail or perish, to be destroyed, to be cut down, to be brought to silence, to be undone, to be unraveling in the presence of the holiest being there ever was and ever will be. Uzziah, excuse me, Uzziah was undone. <laughs> Uzziah was undone, but Isaiah is coming to the realization that he as well is undone. Isaiah is rendered speechless in God's presence. He could offer no word of protest, no word of pride. The only acceptable word would have been a word of praise, but Isaiah felt too unclean to offer such a noble word in the presence of a holy God. When Isaiah cried out, I am undone, it was a cry of pain. It was the revealing cry of conscious uncleanness. There needs to be a real, genuine cry of pain in our repentance. I came across this quote as I was putting this message together with the Lord, and it's by A.W. Tozer. Unless we come into this place of conviction and pain, I am not sure how deep and real our repentance will ever be. I'll say that again. Unless we come into this place of conviction and pain, I am not sure how deep and real our repentance will ever be in the presence of a holy, just God. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 6, 6. Our fifth point, cleansed. The cleansing. And then the sixth point, they're here together. The consecration. Being consecrated by being cleansed. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand which he had taken from the altar with tongs. You see, the burning coal here in Isaiah 6.6 symbolizes judgment and spiritual purification. Judgment and spiritual purification. Let's talk for a minute about the tongs that Isaiah is talking about. These are heavenly instruments, utensils. They were used in the tabernacle. They were pure gold. And they're being used in heaven to pick a burning coal from a burning altar in the temple of the Most High God in heaven. So why does the seraphim use a pair of tongs to pick up the burning coal? The seraphim, even though it was burning at every moment and not yet consumed, had to use a pair of tongs to pick up the burning coal? Why is that? Because it was the Holy One himself who first set the coal upon the altar. You see, it had nothing to do with the burning aspect of the coal being any hotter than the burning seraphim. 
but it was the surpassing holiness of the Most High God who placed it there to begin with. Isaiah 6, 7. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. You see, the coal had a holy significance. It belonged to a place of sacrifice, atonement, forgiveness. The coal is a picture of Christ Jesus on his altar, which is the cross. The coal also symbolizes Isaiah's empowerment through being figuratively set on fire for the prophetic mission in which God was sending him in. Set on fire. As should we be, saints. We should be fiery ones and burning ones, just like the seraphim. We should be in full communication with our God. We should be in full covenant with the Lord. We should have real conviction and full confession so we can be fully cleansed and then fully consecrated, set apart, sacred, sanctified before our God. Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah 6, 8, which comes to point number seven, to be commissioned. To be commissioned. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Me. At this point, Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord. God is asking, who should he send and who will go for us? Who is the Lord referring to when he says us? I believe he's referring to the three parts of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Just as he was in Genesis 1.26, another reference scripture to look up. But I'll even say this, Genesis 1.26 said, Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Who is God talking to if man and woman nor creatures were even created at that time? Who? I'll tell you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the Godhead, the three in one. It's the same question that's being asked here in Isaiah 6, 8. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah follows up with, here I am. It reveals purpose. Isaiah was saying he was here on earth for a specific purpose. And he wanted that purpose to be the Lord's purpose, as should we, church. Then Isaiah immediately followed with, send me. Send me, Lord. I have a purpose. I'm in communication with you, Lord, by your grace, 
by your mercy. I'm in covenant with you, Lord. I feel the conviction, Lord. I've confessed it, God. You've cleansed me. Then you've consecrated me in order to commission me in the fullness of what you have for me in my life, in my mission, in my ministry, in my marriage, in my family, in my church, in my community. Here I am. Send me. Church, if you're writing anything down, I want you to write this down. The only way to conceive a heavenly vision and receive a divine commission is holy order. I'm going to say that again. The only way to conceive a heavenly vision and receive a divine commission is holy order, which is the seven seas. You want to know something church I didn't even know as I was putting this together what kind of oil that God was putting on these seven seas and I say that in all humility but the number seven biblically scripturally symbolizes fullness and completeness meaning that God's order is full and it is complete and you can't conceive a heavenly vision and you can't get to a divine commission without holy order in your life, in your ministry, in your marriage, in your church, in your community. You see, Isaiah didn't say, God, send me, but what's the mission field? God, send me. But what are my resources? God, use me, send me. How long am I going to be there? Where am I going? When am I going? No. With a pure heart, with a cleansed and consecrated heart, he answered the divine commission without asking any questions and said, here I am, send me. And his mission, church, if you know the rest of the Bible and the story and the scriptures, it was not one that anybody would want to partake in. I may know one person that would like to partake in it. That would be my friend and confidant, Pastor Tony Mancuso. Because the people of Judah had to be rebuked by a man, a prophet of God, for being unholy allowing pride to undo their hearts and undo a kingdom and a people but through God's grace the prophet Isaiah was cleansed and commissioned who here has had a call on their lives. At one point or another, has heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who, at one point in their lives, said, God, here I am, send me. 
use me. Would you please stand if that's someone in this room that has had a call of God on their lives and they wanted to answer the call at one point or another. Stand in faith and boldness. Now who here, maybe for the first time, has heard the voice of the Lord today in this temple, at this altar, saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And your heart and your mind and your spirit is crying out to say, here I am. God, use me and send me. Would you please stand if that's you today that want to answer a call of God on your life? Jesus, lead us, Lord. Would you, everybody that's stand, that stood, would you please come to the altar? Please come to the altar. I'm coming to the altar with you. There's no fear. If the train of his robe fills your temple, don't allow the fear and the pride that happened to King Uzziah and Judah to unravel you and undone you, undo you in the presence of the Lord. Come to the altar, make room. If everyone could push up, please, please. You see, church, these coals at this altar, these coals, all they do is symbolize and represent the cross and Christ. These coals are burning because you're burning on fire, because you're set apart, you're called, you're cleansed, you're consecrated, and you're commissioned to walk into the fullness of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Altar team, prayer team, pastors, elders, please come up. Take these coals from this altar here on earth and hand them out to the men and women of God that are answering the call on their lives. Maybe it's a recommission that's taking place or maybe it's the first commission that's about to take place. But needless to say, you are conceiving a heavenly vision and you are receiving a divine commission that must have holy order. You see, God took Isaiah into the throne room, into the temple, to a sacred place, to a sacred altar, and he took a sacred coal, and he set his lips on fire. But you see, the Lord in the new covenant has sent that altar down to earth, and it's the cross. And he placed the last burning coal on that altar, and it's Jesus Christ who is our Lord and Savior, who atones, who forgives, who purifies and cleanses all sin. So we may today hear the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And we say, here am I, send me. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys, God bless you, and have the best day of your life.